All right, brothers and sisters, praises be to our loving Abba that we're gathered once again to study his words and commands. We will study today, we'll cover up Deuteronomy 31 and 32, and it is entitled The Song of Moses, and you're going to find out soon enough. We came from our studies the previous week discussing uh, the message of Moses prior to the people of Israel entering the promised land there in the land of Moab. And we know the book of Deuteronomy is really a series of sermons or instructions from Moses teaching the new generation of Israelites to prepare themselves and to receive the blessing of Abba in the promised land. However, at this point in the history of Israel, Moses is about to die. Moses is about to finish his race. And so what is going to happen next? Deuteronomy 31, 1 to 3, when Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. Yahuwah has told me you will not cross the Jordan River, but Yahuwah, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as Yahuwah promised. And so as Moses is preparing to bid farewell to the new generation of Israelites, what did he declare to the people of Israel? He said, I am no longer able to lead you. However, God will be the one to cross ahead of you. And so this was great assurance to the people of Israel. And so we know Moses is 20, 120 years old, and he is not going to cross to the Jordan River. We studied before that he is going to die. But before he dies, at this point, what does Yahuwah God instruct Moses to do? Deuteronomy 31, 14 and 15. Then Yahuwah said to Moses, the time has come for you to die. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tabernacle so that I may commission him there. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tabernacle. And Yahuwah appeared to them in a pillar of cloud that stood at the entrance to the sacred tent. What was the instruction of Yahuwah to Moses before he died? He summoned Joshua. He told him to call Joshua and to go to the tabernacle so that Yahuwah would commission Joshua to be the successor of Moses. He would be the one to lead the people of Israel across the Jordan into the promised land. So this was a public event, another public event that was instructed by Yahuwah God to Moses to prepare the people of Israel concerning what is about to come, something that perhaps we have not known about. What was that? Not only did Yahuwah God tell Moses, okay, commission Joshua, something else was instructed by Yahuwah for Moses to do. What is that? Deuteronomy 31, 19. So write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Help them learn it so it may serve as a witness for me against them. And so even before they enter the promised land, after Joshua is commissioned, what instruction was, was given to Moses? To write down the words of a song 
And so there's a song that comes from Yahuwah, inspired by him, given to Moses to teach all of the people of Israel. How many here like songs? Songs are powerful, right? They move the emotion, they incite the memory. And so songs are powerful instruments to carry theological truth, to carry the message of the words of God. This is why songs, especially during that time, when they did not have access to written records, songs were powerful vessels so that one generation to the next can bring or leave behind the legacy of the words of Yahuwah God. This is why Yahuwah said, teach them this song and make sure that they understand the song. Why? Because it would serve as a witness for me against them. What does that mean? That it will serve as a witness for Yahuwah against the people of Israel. Kind of a strange way uh, to say that about a song. What was the song is all about? Uh, Deuteronomy 31, 21. And when great disasters come down on them, this song will stand as evidence against them. For it will never be forgotten by their descendants. I know the intentions of these people. Even now, before they have entered the land, I swore to give them. Not exactly a picture of hope, right? Even before they enter the promised land, they're going to learn this song. And the song does not equate to peaceful and prosperous times for the people of Israel. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, it kind of predicts already. Yahuwah already says, when great disasters come down on them. Why did Yahuwah God say that? Because previously, when Moses reaffirmed the covenant, which included the blessings and the cursings, which we studied beforehand, right? Yahuwah God already knew. He knew what would eventually happen to the people of Israel. They would not obey Yahuwah God. They would disobey him. And so the curses that have been written as part of the stipulations of the covenant, it will be broken. And so the curses will fall upon the people of Israel. Why? How did Yahuwah God know this? Because he can see the future. Not only that, it was pretty obvious. You know why? Bible says, I know the intentions of these people. You know, a person's intention can tell us what's going to happen to him or her. There are people, for example, who listen to the words of God. There are people who join for worship. But the question is, brother, sister, what is your intention? Why are you actually doing this? Is it because someone's forcing you? Is it because you want to look for faults? What is your intention? Because one's intention will reveal the path that he or she will end up in. People of God did not have good intentions. It was not pure. It was not to glorify God. It was really to glorify self. This is why Yahuwah God knew these people who were going to enter the promised land, they're going to disobey him. And so to use a witness against the people he created a song. Why a song? Because a song can be easily memorized and passed down from generation to generation. This is why the song was given as a way to witness against the people of 
Israel. And so what did Moses do after he was he received the song? Uh, Deuteronomy. So that very day, Moses wrote down the words of the song and taught it to the Israelites. So Moses recited this entire song publicly to the assembly of Israel. And so he learned the song. He wrote it down. He taught it publicly to the people of Israel. And of course, the commandment is to make sure the children learn the song. Everybody gets to learn the song. So it is inculcated in their memory, the message of Yahuwah God. I wonder how the people of Israel felt when they were singing this song. Have you ever thought about placing yourself during that, uh, uh, in their position and singing those very words? But there's also a purpose for why the song was given. You see, in that song was also a message of hope. So that despite what is to happen to the people of Israel, the faithfulness of Yahuwah God would eventually win out. And we will see this by learning the song ourselves. Is that okay? Can we learn the song? Yeah? Do you want to learn the song of Moses? Okay, who wants to do alto? Who wants to be soprano? Raise your hand. Who wants to be, uh, what are the other voices? We got soprano, alto, tenor, bass, and pitch, right? No. Who wants to lead the pitch? No, we're going to learn the song of Moses today. Are you excited about the, uh, we're going to learn the, the song of Moses? Um, we're going to do it, but we're only going to learn the lyrics. We're not going to learn the tune because I have no idea what the tune is. Let's go ahead and look at the themes. What is the song of Moses all about? That's where we open up in Deuteronomy chapter 32. One down to two. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Let my teaching fall on you like the rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on young plants. And so how does the, the uh, song of Moses open up? It opens by reminding the people concerning the importance of the teachings of Yahuwah. You see, the people of Israel were likened to tender grass and young plants. There was a young new generation. They're going to enter the promised land. And they're likened to tender grass and young plants. Tender grass and young plants need to be nourished so it can grow and prosper. What was the key to that growth and prosperity? The teachings of Yahuwah God. This is why it's likened to rain, gentle showers. Because when there's gentle showers raining upon tender grass or young plants, it nourishes it so it can grow. So the emphasis is on the teachings of Yahuwah God. This is why the people of Israel, they have no excuse. They cannot say, we did not know this was against the will of Abba. They were given a song. They were given the tablets. They were given the covenant. They had absolutely no excuse. What else was the song about? What was the emphasis or main theme of the song? Deuteronomy 32, 3 to 4, I will proclaim the name of Yahuwah. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. So what was the main theme of the song? Because every song has a theme, right? And in the song of Moses, the main theme is the faithfulness 
of God, that you can count on him, that you can rely on him, that when he makes a promise, he will deliver. He is upright and just. He is a faithful God. So the main theme of the song is about the faithfulness of Yahuwah, our God. However, after presenting the faithfulness of God, what was also set in motion throughout the song? Deuteronomy 32, 5 to 6, but they have acted corruptly toward him. When they acted so perversely, are they really his children? They are a deceitful and twisted generation. Is this the way you repay Yahuwah? You foolish and senseless people, isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? So after presenting the theme of the faithfulness of Yahuwah God, this was immediately contrasted with the unfaithfulness of the people of Israel. And so you have the faithfulness of Yahuwah God juxtaposed by the unfaithfulness of the people of Israel. And so to highlight, to emphasize the faithfulness of God, what was included in the Psalm 7 to 9. Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Ask your father and he will inform you. Inquire of your elders and they will tell you when the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the people according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to Yahuwah. Jacob is his special possession. This is an interesting part of the song. Remember, this song came from who? Yahuwah God. And so Yahuwah God has a purpose in this song. There are things we can learn in this song. And in this song, we are pointed to the, the faithfulness of Yahuwah God. In fact, this passage here shows us exactly how faithful Yahuwah God has been. It's not immediately apparent, but in the song, it asks the people to ask the generations past because they know, they understand just how faithful Yahuwah God has been and just how faithful has Yahuwah God been to the people of Israel, so faithful, you can trace it all the way back to the time when Israel did not even exist yet. That's how faithful he was to his people Israel. What time are we talking about here? It's about the time when the Most High assigned lands to the nations when he divided up the human race. Question, when did Yahuwah God do that? When did Yahuwah God assign lands to the nations, and he divided up the human race. When was that done? How long ago did that take place? It was during the incident in the Tower of Babel, right? That's when he divided uh, the uh, and allotted lands to the different descendants of the three sons of Noah. This is why you have the table of nations in Genesis 10, and Genesis 11 shows the actual event, how it started, Right, And so when Yahuwah God was allotting lands uh, for the human race, something Yahuwah God says, for the people of Israel belong to Yahuwah. Jacob is his special possession. During the days of the, Towers of the Tower of Babel, 
Was there already a people of Israel? Not yet. He did not exist yet. Abraham wasn't even called yet. But he was already telling us how special Israel was. Even before the nations were dispersed, he already had plans for the people of Israel. And then he said, the Bible says that uh, he divided the boundaries of the peoples. He established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. That's interesting. Did you know that God had a heavenly court? He had a council in heaven. And when we read this passage in a different translation, who are members of this heavenly court? Bible says the number of the sons of God. And so in the heavenly council, in the heavenly world, Yahuwah God leads a council composed of, quote unquote, sons of God. Now, who are they? These sons of gods that are in his heavenly court. In Psalms 82 verse 1, God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. And so we, the song in Moses reminds us, it reminds the people of Israel of the existence of the unseen world. That there are beings that cannot be seen with the physical eyes, right? They are called sons of God. In the Hebrew, it is Elohim. A lot of us think that Elohim means God. No, Elohim means spirit being. And of course, the most important Elohim is Yahuwah God because he's the only true God. He's the only true creator. But there are other spirit beings, invisible beings who belong to the heavens, to uh, Yahuwah God's heavenly council or heavenly court from time to time when they have these meetings someone by the name of satan would stop by right when the day came for the heavenly beings to appear before yahuwah because these heavenly beings are giving a report to yahuwah why does yahuwah decide to do this we don't know you know he he likes to have relationships with his created beings and those whom he called as his sons in this heaven in, in this heavenly realm he loves them and he gives them assignments. And so there are times when they meet together in the heavenly council. And from time to time, the Bible says when they came for the heavenly beings to appear before Yahuwah to make a report, Satan was there among them. Yahuwah asked him, what have you been doing? Satan answered, I've been walking here and there, roaming around the earth. So we know these heavenly beings, these spirit beings, they are able to roam the earth. That's true, not just for Satan, but also other beings. So there are invisible beings that we are unaware of, that we cannot see with our physical eyes, that we are reminded by Yahuwah God, by the song, to be, to pay attention to as well. Now, what was significant then about uh, the, this council. Well, in Deuteronomy 32, 8 to 9, when he separated the sons of men, he fixed the bounds of the people according to the number of the sons of God. Again, when did this event happen? The Tower of Babel, right? And so when Yahuwah God was fixing the boundaries and assigning or allotting 
uh, the, the different lands to the different sons of God, the different heavenly beings, Yahuwah said, my portion, my inheritance would be Israel, would be Jacob. This shows you how special Jacob and Israel was to Yahuwah, our God. Well, what happened in uh, Genesis anyways, in during the days of the Tower of Babel? Let's go back there really quickly. Genesis 11, 1 of 4. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And so what we read there was the rejection of Yehovah God's will, a rebellion that took place at the Tower of Babel. Remember, this happened shortly after the flood of Noah. Why did Yehovah God uh, punish the whole earth with a universal flood? Because of their disobedience. Their thoughts were evil through and through. Even their imaginations were evil against Yahuwah our God. So Yahuwah God decided to obliterate the earth with a flood, right? And he set apart a family, Noah. But the instruction to Noah and his sons was to disperse, to cover the whole earth. This was the command right after the people, the people during that time were already punished. You would think... They should have learned their lesson, right? You would think, okay, this is what they're going to do. But instead of doing that, what did they do instead? The Bible says, well, they decided to make a tower that leads all the way up to heaven. It's, why did they do that? The Bible says, let us make a name for ourselves. And so instead of obeying the will of God to scatter over the face of the whole earth, what was important to them was to make a name for themselves. What do you call that again? When you disregard the will of Abba because you want to promote yourself, what is that called? When you have to be at the forefront, when you have to be the star of the show, what is that called? Yes, you can sense, you can kind of sense the sense of pride there, right? And so instead of being obedient and submitting to the authority of God, they themselves wanted to be independent of God and they wanted to build a tower to make a name for themselves and to protect themselves just in case Yahuwah God decides to destroy the whole world again by means of a flood. At least they're high up there. They will no longer be affected by the flood. So Yahuwah God is angry. And so instead of the whole earth would become his inheritance, he kind of re rejected the people of the land again. He rejected them. And so what did Yahuwah God decide to do? 11, 5 to 8. But Yahuwah came down to see the city and the tower, which the sons of men had built. And Yahuwah said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there and there confused their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So Yahuwah scattered them abroad from there over the face 
of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. So what happened uh, when they were building the tower there on Babel? What happened was, as they were building that tower, Yahuwah and his heavenly host, this is why the Bible says, come, let us go down. Why did the Bible use the pronoun us? Why did God say let us? Because he was addressing his heavenly court. He had a council, he had a court. There were other spirit beings together with him. And so he said in front of his heavenly court that he was going to do something with the human beings, with the sons of men. What was that? He would change their languages. He would confuse their languages. And he would cause them to scatter over the face of the earth. And he would give the allotments of the land to different to, to the different sons of God, to the different spirit beings in his heavenly realm. But for Yahuwah's portion, it was the people Jacob, Israel, that was his allotted heritage. That shows you what Yahuwah basically did there was, he said, okay, these people are disappointment. And so he handed them, handed them over to the other spirit beings. But Jacob, that's mine. Israel, that's mine. And so he was special to Yahuwah our God, even before Jacob was born, even before Israel was born. However, what eventually happened as these spirit beings were given the inheritance of these different lands, land areas, and different nations. Psalms 82, 1, 6 to 7, God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. I say you are gods. You are children of the most high, but you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. These spirit beings who are called sons of gods, heavenly beings, right? In the, in the Hebrew, it's Elohim that's used. And the word Elohim means spirit being, okay? What makes uh, Yahuwah God distinct, that's the only true God with a capital letter G, right? That's our use so that we don't, so that we make a distinction between the creator and a created spirit being. Yahuwah God is unique because he's the only creator. The other spirit beings were all created. You see the difference there? But they're all spirit beings. In the Hebrew, it's designated as Elohim. And so sometimes the word Elohim is used not just for God, but also for these spirit beings. However, these spirit beings were judged by who? Yahuwah God. Because they were corrupted. Because they were not acting in fairness. They were not acting according to righteousness. And Yahuwah declared, you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. And so this incident in the song of, of Moses reveals to us. It gives us a glimpse of the influence of the spirit beings upon the affairs of men. And we're going to touch on that in our virtual seminar this coming Saturday. The spirit beings, what happened to them? Who are they? Demonic influence, how powerful can they be and how can we protect ourselves from that? But we get a glimpse of that. We are reminded of that in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. However, the whole point of that in the song is to tell us just how faithful Yahuwah God is to his people, Israel. Not only was he faithful to Israel, 
because he loved them even before they were born. Not only that, after they were born, what did Yahuwah God do? Deuteronomy 32, 10 to 14, this part of the song highlights the care of Yahuwah God for Israel. He found them in a desert land, in an empty howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes, like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young. So, to so he spread his wings to take them up and carry them safely on his pinions. Yahuwah alone guided them. They, felt they followed no foreign gods. He let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock, together with the fat of lambs. He gave them choice rams from Bashan and goats, together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes. And so we can see not only the faithfulness of Yahuwah God in keeping his promise that he made to Abraham, and even before that in the Tower of Babel, proclaiming that he, the inheritance that, for, that is for him, that he chose for himself, because he basically rejected the others. But what he chose for himself was Israel. Not only did he show his faithfulness, but his love and care for his people, Israel. He's likened to an eagle who would take care of them, protect them with his own eyes. And so we know that Yahuwah was faithful and loving to his people, Israel. Yet despite that, the psalm highlights the unfaithfulness of the people of Israel, right? And so it makes you wonder, what causes that? I mean, Yahuwah God has been faithful. Yahuwah God has been loving and caring. But why did the people of Israel reject continually Yahuwah God's faithfulness? What could be at the root of Israel's faithfulness un or unfaithfulness rather? Deuteronomy 32, 15, 16. But Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. And they abandoned the God who made them. They made lying of the rock of their salvation. They stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. And so if you were to ask your brothers and sisters, what was the root? Why were they so unfaithful to Yahuwah Abba, despite his faithfulness, despite his love and care for them? What would your answer be? What was it? Because they got fat. <laughs> Bible says they became heavy, plump, and stuffed. What does that represent, brethren? It represents their prosperity. You know, sometimes one of the worst things that can happen to a human being <laughs> are not hardships. <laughs> what is it? Prosperity, right? This is why there's a warning. There should be always a warning whenever a person prospers and becomes rich. Why? Because when the person becomes rich and prosperous, the tendency is not to get grow closer to God, but to forget who. Yeah, we see that again and again and again. Why is that? Because when the person becomes prosperous, when they enjoy the blessing, and provision of God every day, and they continue to grow and grow and succeed one act of glory after the other, they begin to become proud and they begin to forget and abandon who? Yahuwah God. And they make light of the rock. 
And so they don't take, they forget how they got there in the first place. They make light of Yahuwah's role and why they got to where they got in the first place. And so they become proud. And so they worship foreign gods. This is why the Bible says pride goes before destruction. We need to be aware of our pride. Because when a person develops pride, that pride can lead you to falling and to destruction. Now, when a person is proud, they no longer see, like what we read in Deuteronomy, the work of God, his role in how you got there in the first place. And instead of returning to God, they end up worshiping foreign gods, which is unusual, right? When you think about it, okay, if Israel became proud, why would they worship foreign gods? When they became proud, who influenced them to worship foreign gods? What is at the root of this? We know it is pride. But what is it about pride that caused them and led them to worshiping foreign gods and into the sin of idolatry, which we know utterly destroyed the people of Israel? We find the clue in the next part of the song. What is that? Deuteronomy 32, 17. They offered sacrifices to demons, which are not God. To gods they had not known before. To new gods only recently arrived. To gods their ancestors had never feared. And so one explanation is the influence of demons. The Bible mentions demons here. And we'll go more in depth at who these creatures are in our virtual seminar. Not today, but this coming Saturday. But... There seems to be this influence of these spirit beings who were corrupted, who originally belonged with Yahuwah God, who used to be a son of God, a spirit being, but they got corrupted and so they served the work of a demon. They became like demons and they would influence the people of Israel. It's because it's kind of hard to imagine Yahuwah God being so faithful to them, yet these people are hard-headed. And part of the answer could be the influence of demons upon their life. How can we know? I mean, what are the fingerprints of demonic influence? Well, let's go to the source of the, one of the famous ones, Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. How, are you, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth. You who destroyed the nations of the world. You see the influence of this angel, this, uh, this spirit being. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. We know what this passage refers to, right? It refers to that quote and quote spirit being Lucifer, a cherub, a powerful angel of Yahuwah God. And he was responsible for destroying the nations of the world. What does that show you? His influence, right? His demonic influence upon the affairs of the sons of men. And so we can see here his impact 
This is why we need to also be aware and protect ourselves from the work of demons and principalities and powers of the unseen world. This is what the Apostle Paul warned us about, the book of Ephesians, because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against, but against the unseen rulers of this dark age. And one of the most influential is, of course, Lucifer. And we know what is one of his chief characteristics. What is it? His pride. You notice that? His pride. He wants to set himself He's to set his throne above God's stars. Can you imagine that? The pride that he has within himself. And so this in the, when people display pride, you can already tell they were already being influenced by these spirit beings. Just like in Genesis 3, 4 to 6, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And so what convinced, what was the convincing factor that caused the woman to eat the forbidden fruit? It was when the serpent said to her, you will be like, God, I got to get some of that fruit, right? What is that? It's pride. You see, that's one of the signs of demonic influence. When you have pride, this is why when we saw the pride of the people of Israel, after they have prospered, they opened themselves up to demonic influence, so much so they worship false gods and even sacrifice to Demons, And because of this, what did Yahuwah God decree concerning his people Israel? You neglected the rock who had fathered you. You forgot the God who had given you birth. Yahuwah saw this and drew back, provoked to anger by his own sons and daughters. He said, I will abandon them. Then see what becomes of them, for they are a twisted generation, children without integrity. And so what would happen next in the song is Yahuwah's judgment. Started off with Yahuwah's faithfulness and then the unfaithfulness of Israel and then Yahuwah's judgment. That's the transition of the song, right? And so Yahuwah's going to judge Israel. How so? What's going to happen to Israel? 21, they had aroused my jealousy by worshiping things that are not God. They have provoked my anger with their useless idols. Now I will rouse their jealousy through people who are not even a people. I will provoke their anger through the foolish Gentiles. And so Yahuwah says, as part of his judgment, he's going to punish his people Israel using the Gentiles. Imagine that. What, how does the song describe the judgment of Yahuwah God? Or 22, 23, for my anger blazes forth like fire and burns to the depths of the grave. It devours the earth and all its crops and ignites the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disasters upon them and shoot them down with my arrows. And so his judgment resulted in anger that was so complete. It was like fire blazing and burning even to the depths of the grave. So it affected even the grave. This is how bad it was. This is the extent of judgment from Yahuwah God. And how was this manifested? 
24 to 27. Again, this is in the song. And so the people of Israel, they memorize this song. They would be singing this song. They will die from hunger and fever. They will die from terrible diseases. I will send wild animals to attack them and poisonous snakes to bite them. War will bring death in the streets. Terrors will strike in the homes. Young men and young women will die. Neither babies nor old people will be spared. I would have destroyed them completely so that no one would remember them. But I could not let their enemies boast that they had defeated my people when it was I myself who had crushed them. And so how would Yahuwah God crush his people <coughs> as a sign of his judgment, his burning or blazing fire against them? Israel would suffer all the different dimensions of suffering and problems of humanity, like hunger, fe uh, fever, disease, ex environmental dangers during that time was with wild animals and poisonous snakes, war, terrors in the home. And so they would be destroyed completely. And we know this happened to Israel throughout its history. But for some reason, they would not learn their lesson, right? I mean, why did Yahuwah God punish them so severely? What was Yahuwah's purpose? If you continue the song, 28 to 30, Israel is a nation without sense. They have no wisdom at all. They fail to see that why they were defeated. They cannot understand what happened. Why were a thousand defeated by one and 10,000 only by two? Yahuwah, their God, had abandoned them. Their mighty God had given them up. And so why did Yahuwah God punish them so severely? So they can understand the reason why this was happening to them, that Yahuwah God had abandoned them. But unfortunately for the people of Israel, Yahuwah God says they have no wisdom at all. This nation doesn't make any sense. They should have already observed. They should have already learned that I am no longer with them because of what's happened. And so Yahuwah God even gave an example, right? When you have a thousand defeated by one. If one person is able to defeat a thousand, which was experienced by Israel, right? It means Yahuwah God was with him. It's called the miracle. And when two, when two people is able to defeat 10,000, again, it must be a miracle. Yahuwah God's with them. But the opposite of that is also true, right? If they were defeated by only one person, thousand of them or 10,000 of them were defeated by only two what does that mean it means God is no longer with them and so what we can learn from the song is we need to look also at our life we need to examine our life right we need to look at what's happening so that we can determine whether or not Yahuwah God is still with us is God still with us or maybe he's no longer with us and so Yahuwah God wants us to have the proper sense about what's happening in our life so that we can make better decisions, so that we can rectify the situation and repent and return to God. But Israel did not know that. They did not repent. And so they continue to feel the punishment and discipline of Yahuwah, our God. And so what did Yahuwah God do against them? Well, 31, 32, their enemies know uh, that their own gods are weak, not mighty like Israel's God. Their enemies corrupt the Sodom and Gomorrah 
are like vines that bear bitter and poisonous grapes. So we know Yahuwah eventually took his people, Israel and Judah, and gave, he gave them to enemies who are corrupt, like Sodom and Gomorrah, to the Gentiles, to those who don't even belong to Yahuwah our God. However, when they were being punished by these enemies, there's a curious passage in Zechariah that reminds us about this punishment. And there was an, only a certain extent that Yahuwah God wanted from these enemies. Then the angel said to me, shout this message for all to hear. This is what Yahuwah of heaven's army says. My love for Jerusalem and Mount Zion is passionate and strong. So Yahuwah God still loves his people, right? But I am very angry with the other nations that are now enjoying peace and security. I was only a little angry with my people. But the nations inflicted harm on them far beyond my intentions. And so despite Yahuwah being the one who gave Israel, who gave them to their enemies, right? Yahuwah God is telling us here in the book of Zechariah that these nations, these enemies, well, they inflicted harm far beyond the intentions of Yahuwah. And so what does Yahuwah God say? It's in the song now, Deuteronomy 32. Yahuwah remembers what their enemies have done. He waits for the right time to punish them. Yahuwah will take revenge and punish them. The time will come when they will fall. The day of their doom is near. And so what is Yahuwah going to do? The Bible says in the song that Yahuwah remembers the enemies of Israel. And Yahuwah God will take revenge and punish them. The time will come when he will do that. When will that happen? When will Yahuwah God begin to turn things around? Well, let's go back to the song. In 36, Yahuwah will rescue his people when, here it is, he sees that their strength is gone. He will have mercy on those who serve him when he sees how helpless they are. And so when is that time when Yahuwah God will rescue his people and punish those who inflicted suffering and pain upon his people Israel Bible says this time will come when their strength is all gone they feel helpless to the point that they realize they need the help of Yahuwah God remember what got them into trouble in the first place right they got fat and plump proud and so Yahuwah had to humble them to learn to depend on who Yahuwah God and so brethren there's something we need to learn from this song is that we need to always remember that we cannot live apart from Yahuwah God. We must depend on him for our strength, for everything in our life. That is something that we need to learn. And so what is the ending of the song? How does the song end? Well, this is how the song ends in Deuteronomy 32, 43. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And so Israel, the Gentiles, they both rejoice together. And so Israel would be like the light for the Gentiles. They would be together, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. And so how does the song end? It has a happy ending, right? How? Because the Bible says Israel, his people, the Gentiles will be one people. How? Through the atonement that will be provided for the land and his people. I think you get an idea 
of how this is going to be fulfilled, right? Has this been fulfilled already? Not fully. In a way, it points to someone who will provide atonement. You know who that is? I think you all know who that is. But before we get there, let's take a look at the song. It starts with the faithfulness of Yahuwah God. And then it mentions the unfaithfulness of Israel. And then the judgment of Yahuwah. And the last part, the restoration that Yahuwah will bring. How? Through atonement for the land and his people. How will this pan out? How will this atonement be provided? We get a clue here in the last passage of our studies. Revelation 15 verse 3. And they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God. And the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. And so, how is this restoration that is alluded to in the Song of Moses, which shows the triumphing of the faithfulness of Yahuwah God for his love for the people of Israel, how would it be fulfilled? Through the song of the Lamb. And so the song of Moses offers hope. This is why we told you one of the reasons why the song was given was so that the people of Israel would be held accountable for what's happening to them. But at the same time, also have hope, right? And how is this hope to be fulfilled? By the song of the Lamb. What does that refer to? The work of the Lamb. To atone the people of Israel. And to atone the nations of the world. This is why Yahusha would be king of the nations. All authority would be given to him. And time will come when Yahusha will rule throughout the earth, right? And his base will be there in Jerusalem. And he will rule as king for a thousand years. And those who belong to him, the bride of the land, will rule there together with him. Okay? That's the song of the Lamb. Completion of the hope found in the song of Moses. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray. Almighty and everlasting Father. Yes. Gracious God, Yahuwah. Thank you for blessing your people with hope. Yes. We know that even amidst the greatest of pain, yes. we can trust always upon your faithfulness. Yes. You are faithful to Israel. You are faithful to those who belong to your son. Amen. And so we are not afraid of what is to transpire. Yes. Although we face difficulties and troubles in life. Yes. We know you are always there for your people. Yes. Ever ready to listen to our cries and yes. to respond to our petitions. Amen. We cry to you now, loving Abba. Yes. Deliver and rescue your people. Yes. Help us to learn from our troubles. To yes. learn from our sins to be truly repentant, to humble ourselves, and to return to you, Amen. depending on you, trusting you yes. for everything in our life. Amen. Yahusha, our King, yes. you are the one we worship. You are our Mashiach. Yes. May you please be with each one of us. Yes. Teach us your song. Teach us faithfulness and love yes. that this is what we will display, that we will be shining brightly to show that love that you have shared with yes. each and every one of Amen. us. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. We ask and beg everything 
in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.